Hey writers and weavers, Jenny here, freelance writer, book reviewer, and emerging fantasy author. And Katrina, author of the young adult urban fantasy, The Wise One, book one of the Scottish Scrolls series. Our goal is to help you iron out your fantasy world and open up the floor to a weird and witchy conversation. Join us in our ramblings about all things fantasy, paranormal fiction, and magical realism. Whether you're an aspiring novelist or a best-selling author, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's get started. Welcome, writers and weavers, to Season 2, Episode 6 of Writing the Broomstick Podcast. Today is a bit of a special episode for a few reasons. For one, you may have noticed that Katrina isn't here giving the intro today. That's because, sadly, Katrina won't be joining us for today's episode. She and her husband just moved into their new house this weekend, so while she wanted to be here, she just didn't have the time. So, yay, Katrina! Happy you found your new home! Anyway, I almost didn't make it myself because the other day I left the dry Iberian heat for Montreal, my hometown, and the land of Putin, and potholes, and Leonard Cohen, and Arcade Fire. God, it's so weird. All I can hear is traffic. Anyway, I'm recording in a hotel because Canada still has the three-day hotel quarantine requirement for non-fully vaccinated travelers, and I can't say I'm a fan, but anyway, we all get over it. So what are we talking about today? Well, I want to talk about satyrs. So that's S-A-T-Y-R-S. The satyr figure is very special to me because in my story, a satyr plays one of the central characters, and I simply cannot help but hold him and all satyrs close to my heart. And you know, I feel like satyrs have been largely forgotten in contemporary fantasy, so I'm here to bring them back on trend. I mean, we've got, we've got vampires. We've got mermaids, we've got werewolves, we've got witches. We need to bring back (laughs) satyrs. Okay, we cannot talk about the satyr without taking a swim through ancient Greek waters. And I'm sorry, I can't help myself because everything I love about fantasy is in some way connected to this very beautiful, albeit flawed, mythology. So first of all, what the hell is a satyr? In his most basic form, a satyr is a half-man, half-ram. Depending on the source, his appearance varies slightly, but they almost always seem to have sly or pug-like noses, bristly goat-like hair, and pointed ears. In art, they are often seen playing instruments, chugging back bags of wine, and wearing animal skins to hide their junk. Or they don't hide their junk at all, and they're just shown to have these ginormous erections. (laughs) It's funny, because if you didn't know any better, you'd think I was describing the devil, but I'm not. More on that later. So while the satyrs were never really seen as evil, they were often looked down upon for their proclivities, because their raison d'etre is sensual pleasure. They love wine and music and dancing and sleeping around with nymphs. How lascivious. How scandalous. Yes, my friends, these fun-loving man-goat hybrids were sinful thrill-seekers who sacked off work and couldn't be relied upon to get anything done. So they were scoundrels. Despite their prevalence in art, there isn't that much written about satyrs. For example, we can only assume that since there is no mention of female satyrs, they didn't exist. So how did satyrs reproduce? I don't know. 
they couldn't have done it on their own, right? So your guess is as good as mine. Homer never wrote about satyrs, but Hesiod described them as their own race with their own heritage and everything like that. But no matter where they came from or what their backstory is, one thing is for sure, and that is that they are groupies of the god Dionysus. So, who is Dionysus? Dionysus, also known as Bacchus, is the god of good times. To be more accurate, he is the god of fertility and wine and the patron of the arts. Interestingly, he also represents the agony and the ecstasy of getting drunk off wine. So while he was a party animal, he was also known to be quite moody and monstrous, which represents the effects of wine itself. There were no temples in his honor, and that's because his followers worshipped him in the woods, which is so amazing. So if you have a green witch in your novel, I wouldn't be surprised if Dionysus plays some role in your character's form of worship. Now, just to make things a little bit confusing, there is another god called Pan who looks an awful lot like a satyr. He is the god of shepherds and wild mountains, and satyrs did chill with Pan, but they are not one and the same. Which brings us to the issue of semantics. So you know how when a story gets told over and over again, the facts tend to get blurry or all mushed together? That's what's happening here. So we have three names that are seemingly interchangeable, but I think there's a distinction. I think. So we have fauns, F-A-U-N-S. Fauns are Roman woodland spirits who are, from a distance, or a little bit up close too, the same as satyrs. But satyrs look like the god Pan, or his Roman equivalent, Faunus. However, satyrs are plenty, and there's only one Pan. And Dionysus, who the satyrs follow, does not look like a satyr. He looks just like a, uh, a mortal man or a god. So in case it ever comes up in trivia, remember that when you see a horny goatman hybrid, it might not necessarily be a satyr. It could be pen or faunus or Roman fauns. Oh, my brain hurts. So just to make things a little bit more interesting, there are also three different kinds of satyrs, although I'm sure they look the exact same. So we have the panish. So if you can hear that, the word pan is in there. These are the typical satyrs that I've been talking about. Panish are considered demons in the classical sense. And when I say classical sense, I mean the non-Christian sense. And if you remember last season, we talked about how the ancient Greek origins, we talked about them, demons not being evil. Not all of them are evils. There's different kinds of demons or demon, demonish. Anyway, so the second kind of satyr is the silens or silens, S-I-L-E-N-S. And these are the elderly satyrs. The young, chubby-bellied satyrs are called the satyrishkoi, and the flute-playing satyrs are named the titiroi. God, I'm really sorry, everyone. I actually love how complex and confusing ancient mythology is. It is a perfect demonstration of how there is no such thing as one history. Every time you learn about something in Greek myth, you find a source written a few hundred years later that completely undermines it. It's the same for history. We grow up learning about famous battles and benevolent kings only to discover another perspective or new artifact that puts everything into question what we thought we knew. So why am I saying all this? Well, 
I think it's important to remember that when you're world building, try not to make things so perfect because it never is in the real world. It is actually quite messy. So you could have three different characters who have three different versions of uh, a creation story, depending on where they're from or what their family told them. So it's really, again, messy. Everyone has their own version of history, and it doesn't even have to be world history. You could write about a single incident in a town and have 10 completely different versions of the facts. Anyway, back to satyrs. So I mentioned the devil earlier, and I think I'd like to explore this topic a bit further. If you look at artistic depictions of Pan, you'll probably immediately notice how similar he looks to the fawn-like version of the devil. Many people have made this connection, including the famous occultist and Satanist Aleister Crowley. I don't know exactly why Pan morphed into the Christian devil, but I can only assume it has something to do with the church's hell-bent mission to vilify old pagan religions in order to convert and or persecute people who held on to their ancient beliefs. All that to say that satyrs have a very interesting story and their connection to the woods and nature and wine is just so perfectly pastoral. Obviously, there is also a negative aspect to all this merrymaking, which is that satyrs don't like to work hard, and when they get drunk, all hell will break loose. So they are definitely mischievous trickster characters, um, which I'm sorry, I just love so much. I think that every story should have a trickster in it. Some of the most popular satyrs in books and film are Mr. Tumnus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the creepy fawn in Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, Newell, Dorn, and Verl in the Fablehaven series by Brendan Mull, and satyrs of course appear in games like Warcraft, God of War, Doom, and Magic the Gathering. So, you know what kids, that was the end of today's special mini episode about satyrs. Katrina will be back for next episode and I do believe we are discussing how to write about cities real or imagined, so if you're crafting the next best urban fantasy, you're going to want to listen to that. So thanks for listening to me ramble on about satyrs today, everyone. If you have a topic you want to discuss or a burning question about witches, mermaids, vampires, or magic or anything, send us an email at writingthebroomstick at gmail.com and you'll get all the details on how to follow us on social media in our outro. Check you later, nerds. Ciao, ciao for now, now. That's it, writers, weavers, and magic seekers. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Writing the Broom for all podcast-related goodies. Including upcoming episodes, witchy content, and our random thoughts. Don't forget to read the show notes for episode details. Also, if you're looking for book recommendations, check out Jenny's Goodreads reviews. And if witchy books and Celtic folklore are your thing and you like free stuff, why not have a gander at the first three chapters of Katrina's urban fantasy, The Wise One? All links are in the show notes. Until next time.